passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Ferguson. Join with Lee Bacon. Have another great one for you today. We're talking about some recruits. Uh, one that we got in Will Stone. One that we lost in Carnell Tate. Uh, we are also talking about Tennessee baseball and them losing to Notre Dame. We are a little behind, but I was on vacay, so don't hold it against me. And we answer some of your guys' questions. Uh, some of you guys left some amazing questions in the comments section uh, from the Butch podcast. So I help answer some of those and clear up uh, some of the things you guys are wondering about. Before we get into all that, y'all, please subscribe, like, and hit that notification bell on YouTube. If you're just listening, rate and review. Uh, follow us. Send to your friends and family. Tell them that this is a great podcast to listen to while you're driving, while you're working, everything. Uh, so we always appreciate you guys. You're the things that drive us forward. So please keep watching and listening. Uh, let's jump into it. The game. Snap. The kick is in the air, and the kick this time is no, sir, Reed. No, sir. all right so before we jump into the podcast shout out our number one sponsor betonline.ag uh if you're wanting to go anywhere to bet this is the place it's the number one source for all the best odds, the stats, everything that comes with it. They've got stuff on the NBA playoffs going on. They've got stuff on MLB. They have golf. They have fighting. They have even casino. So everything you could think of, this is the place to go. It's the best place to bet, and it makes everything more exciting when you do it. So hop on over there. When you do go over there, it's super easy to get started. Um, you can use your mobile device or you can go on their website and use a promo code believe that's B L E A V when you sign up and you receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So awesome free money. So why not use believe as your little code when you go there? Um, tell them, tell them that we sent you. Uh, so head on over again, that's B L E A V. Promo code to get that 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right. Welcome in, everyone. After a long break from recording together, me and Reed get to see each other's beautiful faces again. Um, Reed, how we doing, bud? I'm going to turn around and say, Kyler, how we doing, bud? Because you <laughs> and I, we haven't talked since... Like your vacation, it was just kind of like a week break where I was just like, he annoys me. I don't even really like him. I just do this podcast to help him out. So it was a nice <laughs> yeah. break for me. 
Yeah, you're the only reason I get numbers, bro. I'll tell you what. Um, some of that second. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Just got off vacation. I'll tell you what. After being down in Mexico, these Voodoo Rangers hit a little different. Uh, I'm used to those, uh, those Corona lights and those Modellos, little, little light beers. and uh, This bad boy tastes, tastes a little different, but I'm enjoying it. Um, well, well, let me, are we talking taste or is it, is a little bit that, uh, IPA ish? Is that hitting a little different or what? I, mostly taste. I don't think the IPA is hitting that hard. Cause I was drinking a lot of tequila down there. So on a bear tequila, more bear, more tequila. <laughs> I, I, I love, I love stone cold. Like I grew up. Like I don't watch wrestling anymore at all. No. Like I haven't watched. I haven't watched it since I was probably like in fourth or fifth grade. Oh, yeah. big show. <laughs> As people that was, know, that was my nickname, everyone. Yeah, we 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 would call Kyle the big show, and then like if he entered a room, we would do the well, like he just did. And then there was Every times t- where, I, and then I started doing it at Catholic, where I would walk out of the shower and I'd go <laughs> well. <laughs> Every time, every time I got a chance to step over a railing, I'd do it like the big show. Just one straight leg over and the other yeah. straight leg over. Yes, yes. Um we had a lot, we had a lot of fun with that. But anyways, I I I'm, I had to say this. I will sometimes, and I think I might have mentioned it on here before, I've told you before. There are times where I'm doing cardio or sitting in the sauna and I will go back and I will just replay and rewatch best of Stone Cold or best of like <laughs> The Rock, because those guys on the mic back in the day were so freaking funny. They said, "Oh, they're amazing. amazing, amazing." I mean, it, it, that's that's all it is is acting, and they were perfect. Oh, the stuff they would say makes me ele- like laugh out loud just by myself. And they th- they thought of that on the top of their head. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But so, anyway, were you drunk pretty much the entire time? I mean, what what did we do down there? Uh, I, I mean, I wouldn't say drunk the entire time. I was enjoying myself. I like, I had a drink in hand most of the time. Right. Um, and I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, tried to pace myself throughout the day. Cause I didn't want it to be like going to dinner, falling over. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, but still amazing time. Went to Tulum, Mexico. Incredible. Uh, had quite a turnaround coming back. I had like a sore throat the night before we left where every time I swallowed, it hurt. So then it woke me up in the middle of the night. I got like three hours of sleep before my, you know, next day travel of a three and a half hour plane ride. And, and I dropped my phone and the screen wasn't reacting to my touch. So I also was like without a phone for a day and a half. Um, so it was, it was quite a turnaround. And we usually record on Sundays, read one to record today, which ended up being really good. But you're welcome. I'm in my work attire. Like usually I can change or shower before that, but I came straight from work and here I am. Um, never hunted a day in my life, but I wear camo because I'm on a construction site. And uh, a good amount of my subs probably do hunt. So, well, first off, did you figure out why your throat was sore, or like what was bothering you, or is it just like uh, went to Minute Clinic? Wasn't strep? Isn't COVID? Uh, they think it could just be like at last or some kind of scratch if of eating something or yelling a lot or drinking a lot could also cause it. So, who knows? Wait, what minute clinic? Did you go to one here in the States? Like like CVS. At, in the States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was pro- it probably was all that tequila burning your back of your throat. I know. It feels better. Yeah. I mean, it already feels better, so. Yeah. We're good. Um, Do you have good weather? Oh, yeah. Great weather. It only rains the very last day. Uh, and by then, we we're just like, you know, let's stay in and pack and do all of our stuff. So did you, it was do any, awesome. like, act, did you do any activities or was it just chilling on the beach? We, uh, we went to a cenote, which is like, the, uh, 
which is like the underground water system, like into caves, which is very mm. cool. That's sick. Yeah, very that. cool. Um, just to kind of swim around. It was like really cool just to see the cave and how much like untouched, how much it grows. Like they said that I can't remember which one's coming down, stalactite or stalagmite. The ones coming down go grow a centimeter every a hundred years. Wow. And there was ones, I mean, 10 feet long. Crazy. And it's like, then boys start growing when Jesus was here. <laughs> I know exactly. Uh, so that was really cool. Everything else was either laying on the beach or finding the best food that we could. Well, what was your favorite uh, thing was, that you had meal-wise? There is this local taco spot that me and my wife went to six years ago, and it was one mobile grill outside of like a 10 by 10 foot seating area. And they had, they make fresh tacos uh, fresh pork and chicken, and it it is literally incredible. And we had it six years ago. We went back this time, and it's expanded exponentially. They've got like three grills now. They got like the huge seating area, and it's you know locals and tourists are there. So it's it's just an awesome spot. They not do any seafoods. Uh, tacos? uh no it was just they like, do like what, shrimp, they don't do shrimp or fish tacos no i no i don't think they had that on there it was you could either do a sandwich or tacos and it was like three different ways they cook pork and a, and a chicken and i'm telling you that that the like the suckling pork was incredible, incredible. yeah yeah um but yeah just eating good food Drinking, chilling, not thinking about anything important, which was fun. Uh, the worst thing that happened on my vacation was Vol Baseball losing to Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, so we can start the show with that. It's, you know, it's a week and a half later, so it's a little bit late. But Vols lose to Notre Dame. Really stinks. Um, just another squandered opportunity for a really good team that we have and almost feels like a Tennessee curse. Uh, and really the only thing I got from that was like, why in the hell do does every other fan base hate Tennessee fans so much? Like, I think we suffer more than any other fan base, yet they don't like us. And I'm like, is it just the Greg Schiano thing? Because, like, any other fan, like, if you were putting up with mediocrity and nothing was working in your favor for a decade, you wouldn't try and do something about it? Or is it the fact that we think that we're going to be good every year? Because if you're a fan of a team and you don't think that, if you don't have hope, what the hell is the point of you being a fan? That's my point of view on it. I don't I don't think it's the Greg Shiano thing. I, I think it's just – I think – Twitter just makes it feel like that we're super hated. I think this year we just feel super hated because of the baseball team and we were the villains for sure. So I yeah, feel like there, there was a bunch of dick, dickheads on our team. So, right. They wanted us. I mean, we were the, we were the super team of the NBA, you know, when all these super teams get put together, everyone wants them to lose, wants the homegrown team to win. So we were like the super team this year. And we played pretty cocky, and people wanted to see us lose, and that's what they ended up getting. But I think everyone – I think every team thinks they're a fan base. Like, if we talk to Alabama fans, they're like, oh, yeah, everyone hates us because we always win. Like, you know, Ole Miss would be like, oh, yeah, everyone hates us because we have Lane Kiffin. And then, um, you know, Florida would be like, oh, everyone hates us because Tim Tebow. You know, I don't know. Just whatever. Yeah. Like, everyone feels like they're hated. But this baseball team was probably a little bit hated just because how they played. For me – it really, really stunk for about a day. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm fine. And it, it bothered me more because for those players. I really, really wanted for those players, if you're that good, I want you to be – at least go to go to uh, the College World Series. Like, 
Yeah, like baseball is, like I said on here before, it's like basketball. It's really tough to win the tournament. Obviously, hypothetically, if this was like the college football playoffs and it's like you're getting voted in, well, Tennessee's automatically making the World Series because yeah. of because of how well they played. So basically, they're they're there no matter what. But you have to play all these games to get in, just like in March Madness. Like you have to play your way in, then you have to win. And like I've made comments before, plenty of Gonzaga teams, plenty of Duke teams, plenty of Kentucky teams, plenty of whoever. They, they're a number one seed or number one overall seed, and they lose in the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. So it happens yeah. all the time. I don't think it's a Tennessee thing. I think it just happens. But I just really more hate it for the players because, like, I wanted them to have some solidification with people saying this was the best and most talented college baseball team of all time. I wanted them to be able to have that stamp. Um, and selfishly, I want to keep watching them. Like, this is something my dad and I bonded over. Like, we love UT sports together. And, he grew up, he played baseball in college. So it was like, I'm not a big baseball guy, but it was something I enjoyed watching with him. And he happened to be down here, uh, here in Naples. My mom, mom, dad, and sister came down the last weekend. And so they were here during that. And like, we lost the first game. I said, dad, they'll come back tomorrow and they'll handle business. They did. And then Sunday, Kyler, I'm watching the score on my phone because we were out and about doing stuff. And my dad, it was so funny. My dad was listening to it on his phone. Like, so he can listen to John. I'm keeping up with everything, and everything seems fine until it wasn't. And it was like, holy crap, this is like the seventh or eighth inning. They just took the lead. And, of course, for me, I was like, I fucking hate Notre Dame. Why do we have to lose to Notre Dame? Like, let me lose to East Carolina. Like, let me lose. I don't want to lose to Arkansas. I don't want to lose to Ole Miss. Yeah. I don't want to really lose to Texas. But And I don't want to lose, like, you know, like, I don't know. There's a lot of SEC teams, so I don't want to lose to them. But, like, dang it, I do not want to lose to lame-ass Notre Dame. Yeah, I know. I we were forty nine and zero when leading in the sixth inning this year until that game. So it was like, oh yeah, this is in the bag. No, like no one thought this. Is, we're going to be fifty and zero. Like no, no big right. deal. Um, yeah. and you're you're right. It just it just turned. Uh, but I'll tell you what, sitting on the beach drinking a margarita is the best way to take a loss, which is what I was doing. <laughs> so. Well. For me, I saw that we got that transfer from Kansas. I don't know anything about him. I just saw it on Twitter. But they're going to be good next year. And this is one of those things. Just keep knocking at the door and – Eventually that thing's going to break. What did you say? I said eventually that thing's going to break. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's jump into recruiting news. Uh, so it did turn out to be a good idea. We waited till Monday because a certain wide receiver, uh, Carnell Tate, decided Who? to commit it. Who <laughs> <laughs> decided to commit it, commit today, and he uh, decided on Ohio State. Uh, my first thought is, what a freaking boom! I don't even want him anyways. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know it. Like most of these things with recruiting, it's like it'd be great to have, but if we don't get okay, you know what I mean? It, it like I literally scrolled back through my notes. I was like, okay, what did I say about him the first time that we talked about him on the podcast? What did I write down? I literally just put straight line speed, 4.6 speed, like a 4.6 guy, not a 4.4 right. guy. A right. slower version of Justin Hunter has to make the little stuff count. So I think I was saying little stuff like out of his breaks, the little nuances of his route running for it to really be effective. Now that was the only highlight tape he's got out there is his freshman year. So it's tough to be like, this is exactly who this guy is. Um, But like, I mean, we've been saying this since day one of Hypel that whoever's on the field, he can figure it out. Right. So losing a five-star receiver, it's okay. I get why he's going to Ohio State. They've had a lot of success with receivers over the past years. So I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to freak out about it, and I don't think anybody else should either. So, it's weird to me. He's a five-star. 
and everyone wants him. I mean, it's down to, you know, hey, good for Tennessee to be in that top five of Ohio State, you know. I, Notre I Dame. think we were number two, you know. Right. Well, I'm just – you know, listen, we're, we're competing against two teams. Notre Dame was in the, in the college football playoff last year. Ohio State's usually always there. Um, um, LSU just, you know, won the national championship a couple years ago. I don't even know who the other school was maybe. But, like, we were there. And the thing that's weird about this for me is, like, I, I don't know how good he is. Like, I haven't seen him. Like, the one highlight tape we watched of him was, like, like you said, I, freshman year, I guess. Like, we watched a little bit of him when he was still in Chicago and then maybe some IMG stuff. So, like, I don't really know. Like, I guess I'll trust everyone that he's a dog. Like, he's a five-star, but I'm not worried about it because it's a receiver. I would be, It would be cool to have him just because we could have kept the momentum going of another five-star. And looking on rivals, like, we're at 14th right now. We got, you know, one, one five-star, uh, four four-stars, and five three-stars. So, if he had committed, that would have put us top 10. We're 14th now. That probably would have put us top eight, maybe. Because, um, you know, there's not – I mean, USC has two, and they're number nine. But, you know, it would just put us up there. So, I would just like to see where the rankings were. But this isn't an alignment. This isn't a defense alignment. This isn't our edge guys. So, it's like, you yeah. know me, I'm like, it's, it's, it's whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. and like I said, it's, hard, it's harder for me to be bummed about it because, like, I haven't watched this film and been like, oh, my gosh, like, this guy's a stud. So – Exactly. It's not like you're watching uh, Bryce Brown as his uh, running back highlights. That was probably the most electric highlight tape I've ever watched. Uh, I'll tell you who's also electric, De- uh, Devon Young at Bearden. You watched his highlight tape. It was like, this guy's the fastest man in the world. Uh, I'm trying yeah, to think of other think, ones that I, I remember watching. Him. I didn't think that playing him, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, it did suck that, you know, he was facing some subpar East Tennessee talent. So yeah, his I, kick I returns looked like track meets out yeah. there. I thought he was very overrated, but, you know, that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, speaking of running backs, we got a running back commit in Will Stallings, a three-star. Uh Everyone's first reaction is this is a thick ass some bitch. Um, and you know, I saw like 6'1, 185. That man looks no 210. 6'1, 185. That's what I saw some measurements. I'm like, bro, that no way that man's 185. No, he's like 215 at least. I mean, for being 6'1, he's rocked up. Um, no, he looks great, he looks right. But, anyways, what'd you, what'd you see? What'd you think of it? So, I think he's fine. I think he is a three-star. I think that's the exact rating he should be. I don't think right now he should be any higher, and he just shows some different stuff. He is a downhill runner. And for people who might not know exactly what I mean by that, hey, doesn't I'm mean listening. just running. I'm, I'm, I'm listening, so keep doing it. Okay. Uh, that doesn't just mean running straight forward downhill. There is literally a curve to the field. The football field, the middle of the football field is higher in elevation than the sidelines of the football field. So when running from the middle towards the sideline, you are literally running downhill. He needs that for extra speed. Uh, I think he does get caught sometimes. Um, there was a few highlights that he uh, cut out because he got tackled before – you know, the end zone. So he cut it short. So I could tell that he was getting caught on some stuff. Uh, but I mean, I like his one step move go like, it's just, just commit to it. Just go forward, just move forward. Um, you know, don't get stopped in the backfield. He's not like the other running backs we have. He's not like the small, uh, small Jabari small, uh, he's a bigger guy that it looks like, I mean, it's going to have to be inside zone counter power for him to be successful, not a sweep, uh, not a toss like that doesn't really seem to work in his favor, but he does have a good stiff arm. I'm happy with the pickup. I think he can help us. Uh, I hope now that he commits as a running back 
he will focus more on his running back skills because it seemed to me like, I mean, his pinned highlight on huddle is defense. So I think he loves playing linebacker, uh, which everyone does. I wanted to be Keith Bullock when I was a kid, but sometimes you got to hang him up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Give me one second, and then I'm going to go in on what my thoughts are. Jesus, I pass you the mic, and this is when you walk away. Well, it's because I cooked some burgers. No one can hear you, Reed. You're too far away from the thing. I was saying because I cooked some burgers tonight. I got on this real big burger kick. Where like I ate so much, I ate so many steaks and stuff. I ate so many steaks and like chicken and stuff. Then I was like, I'm just gonna start doing like burger patties. And I cooked them pretty quickly because I was trying to get for this freaking podcast. But then they were like a little raw when I was eating them, so I just went and put them in the microwave for like a minute thirty. Here's the deal. So I was watching him last night, or I came across just in bed, like I was on Twitter, and I'm like showing like kind of a video type deal, and I'm like, oh. This kid just committed to Tennessee. Like, okay, cool. Like, my first thought was, like, gives us something to talk about tomorrow on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I see him, and I'm like, this is a good-sized kid. I see on his Twitter bio that it says that he's a son of Marine. I'm like, two things about that. A, like, I love that a kid that's that, that is that age, that he puts that on there, like, that he's proud of that. Like, hell, I, I would be proud of that, too, if my dad was a Marine. Like, that is something to be – really proud of so I thought that was cool another thing immediately was like this guy knows discipline he knows tough hard work yeah like he's probably a super great teammate wherever you need me I'm gonna play hard um he looks great he he looks he looks good he looks great they do have him on rivals I've got his stuff pulled up I mean he, they have him as an athlete um so is he gonna play defense is he gonna play running back I don't know but I think that's one thing that is great about him that this coaching staff would like because they can bring him in. And if they want to use him as a pounder, they can use him as a pounder because he runs hard, he runs physical, he runs violent, all those things that I love. The other thing is, too, if he comes in and you put – you don't even have to put that much more weight on him, but maybe you put another 10 pounds, 15 pounds, and you got a great outside linebacker that can play in space who, you know, has that, that athletic ability of a running back. So I just I really like you know the pickup um, his offer list you know it, on rivals it has him six foot two uh, two ten I think I saw somewhere else that it had him listed six one two twenty so somewhere we'll say somewhere in between there we know yeah. how we all lie about different stuff like that but Tennessee yeah. Arizona Arizona State Arkansas Army Charlotte Colorado Nevada and Pittsburgh and you know what Kyler this is a good get because. We should beat all those schools. We're a better yeah. program than all those schools. I don't care what anyone says. Like, who's had more recent success, like, between us and Pitt or whatever. We're the better school. We're the better program. Another thing is, he's from Bishop Gorman. So, like, Bishop Gorman is a good school. Like, at least I knew – I've heard of Bishop Gorman. I've heard of them. I knew of them. I'm like, they're a good program. There's probably going to be other good recruits coming from there from time to time. So, it's like, everything I saw, yes, it is a three-star – Yes, I wish every time I see a recruit, I'm like, dang it, why is he not an edge guy or why is he not a, a badass defensive tackle or a linebacker? But for what I see here, I really like it. You know, he's a, I, I just think I think he's going to be a great teammate, a hard worker, and I think he's a type of person you want to build your roster with. And if you, if you work hard and you're physical, you're going to have a spot for you somewhere. Yeah. I mean, the – like you said, son of Marine, knows how to work hard, knows that work ethic. That's the kind of guy that, like, shows up to your program and even if he doesn't play, is still there for you and doesn't transfer, stays the whole time. Like, when he commits, he means it kind of thing. So that's always nice to have. Even if you're not a starter, you can be a, you can be a glue guy for the entire team. So happy. With that pickup. Yeah, yeah and sure. I pulled it up here. I pulled it up here. Literally, it's it's awesome. It's, it's in caps, son of a Marine, dot, dot, dot. Nothing will stop me. And I'm like, you know what? I see a lot of 17, 18-year-olds put a lot of bull crap on here, and I don't believe any of it. But for this, I'm like, you know what? I'm a, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believe that because he's probably raised right. And you, you see his dad in his recruitment video. I'm like, can we get his dad to show up too, boy? I mean, 
I was like, geez, he looks great. But, I mean, strong safety running back is what he's got listed on here on his Twitter, 6'1", 225, 45, You know, he wasn't a home run hitter, but I guarantee kids in high school were not pumped about tackling him when he was coming downhill. And, like I said, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, I'm happy to have him a part of the team. Yeah, for sure. Me too. Um, okay, that's recruiting news. Uh, let's jump into last week's podcast. Had a few questions afterwards. Uh, of course, it was the Butch Era podcast where I shared almost everything that happened. You know, I forget sometimes. So some of the fans asked questions that they would like answers to. Uh, I wrote down some, but I didn't know if you wanted to go through some of them and just point them out, and then I'll answer. And if there's any that I saw that you didn't hit, I'll, I'll bring up. No, go, go ahead, the ones that you have. You know, uh, okay, so first one I saw was uh, someone asking, they would love to hear about the Shy Tuttle helmet incident. Now, that happened in 2016. I was about, okay. That's so I was not there. Um but Shy definitely got in a fight and got hit with a helmet. If you think otherwise, you're not quite there. Um, it, it is obvious that there was a fight. There is no problem with fights on the team. I don't have an issue with them. Wait, I think it's on. bad. I think it's hold bad on. that – Hold on. Who told you? Did you talk with someone on the team and they were telling you, like, oh, yeah, Shy Tuttle got into a fight? No. No, I do not have confirmation of this, but it's definitely what happened. I don't know why Coach Jones felt the need to not say that. I think if I was a head coach, I would. Do we even know who he got in the fight with? No, he he wouldn't say it because he said he fell on a helmet. If I was a head coach, I would immediately immediately go to the beta. And say this person and this person got in a dumb fight because they're 19 years old and they don't know how to control their temper. <laughs> okay, I squashed it there. They had to shake hands and apologize to each other. One of them used a helmet on the other, and he will be sitting out of practice this week because of it and not be involved in team activities. He will be back with a formal apology to the entire team. And that's it. I, what's wrong? What's wrong with people getting in a fight in an enclosed area in between two guys that are supposed to be brothers? You're supposed to be a family throughout this thing. It's, bro, if you spend that much time with people, they're going to get on your dang nerves. And somebody's going to do an extra little thing during practice that pisses you off. And you get into a fight. I've been in fights. I've seen fights. I've jumped into fights. They happen all the time. It's literally not a big deal. I have no idea why it was like tried to cover up. I think that was another thing where Coach Jones is like, oh, God, I can't let anybody know. Like, dude, no one cares. Okay? All they care about is if Shy can be ready for week one. That's it. So... I don't remember really. Was it in camp? I thought I heard that it was like that he got in a coat. I thought it was like that. It, I can't remember if it was in camp or in season, but I thought he got there was an argument that he got in a fight with John Jancic or something. But Jancic Bro, wasn't even there anymore. Shy Tuttle's eye doesn't look like that if he gets a fight with John Jancic. Newsflash. I didn't even know there was a picture of his eye. Did it look bad? Yeah, apparently there, there was because, you know guys in the locker room took pictures of it and it got leaked. And I remember seeing it when it did happen. And it was very, like, it was like up here, very swollen. And we don't remember um, who it was that gave him, that gave him that bad boy. No, I don't know who it was. If I imagine he was either an offensive lineman or defensive lineman, because it's either going to be arguing with the guy that you have to go against every day or arguing with the guy you have to sit next to every day. Yeah. So, there's a lot of power behind that swing. Um, and yeah, I, I just, it's a fight. It was a fight. It had to have been, there's no way he fell onto a helmet. I don't believe that he can 
bench almost 400 pounds, you're telling me he can't stop himself from falling onto a helmet? He can't put his hands out? It's just, yeah, crazy. Um, okay, next one I saw from Brent Fisher, which this was a great question. More Brent, serious. Brent, Brent is great every week. He always He's awesome. gets the feedback, great questions. He's a great we, – we love you, Brent. He's a man. Great viewer. Great. Love you, Brent. Uh, okay, so he wanted me to preface this with reading his comment, so I will. Um, IDK, y'all, but in a weird kind of way, I do feel like I somewhat know you just from listening to your stuff for roughly an hour per week for over a year now. In saying that, by the end of this podcast, I got a sense that talking about some of that, some of this isn't as easy of a conversation for you talking to me to have as it is for us, your viewers, to listen to. In a way, I kind of felt bad that you were discussing some of those tough times. It is hard for you to talk about these team things that people may view as intimate team situations to people that don't know the in and out details the way you do regarding the team dynamics. Was this podcast harder to talk about than what you maybe thought it would be before you filmed it? Uh, is it really is really what I'm getting at? Gosh, I love this pod, though. Love all the pods, but this one is up there in my top three of all time. Thank you all. For, thank you for all you do. Go Big Orange VFL. Um, yes, is the answer to that question. It was something that I kind of struggled with even before we filmed to say, okay, how honest do I be? What all do I tell? Uh, and it does feel kind of weird because those guys were my teammates and, and saying that stuff about them. But from my point of view and how I saw it was I told the truth. Uh, I told what I saw, what I felt in the moment. Um, and if any of those guys that I might that I might have mentioned want to dispute it, I'd be more than happy to have them on, tell them exactly the way I was feeling at the moment. And if they tell me, no, you're wrong, this is the facts, I, I will listen to them, hear their points. Uh, and if I'm proven wrong, if it, it, you know, if they convince me that it was another way, then I'll change my mind. Um, I am not singular focused and just staying one way. I'm, I, I'm very adaptable. I'm a great listener. So I just told the truth. That's, that's what it was. So that in the end, I feel okay uh, about what I said. Um, even though, you know, maybe some people hurt, maybe some of the people who watched heard it and didn't like what I said or didn't agree with what I said. Uh, but at those moments, at those times, I really felt like that was the truth. Uh, that was what was going on from my point of view. And I mean, I, I don't want to necessarily lie. Like I, I, I don't like to lie. So it's like, I'm just going to say what it is. Um, but yes, let me, let me jump in. Let me jump in. So people that don't know you personally, you are, and I don't know if I've said it on here or not, but like you are genuinely such a good hearted guy, a great person. You've been a great friend to me. You're a great friend to all of your friends. You were there. Uh, if anytime anyone needs you, you are a great listener. You are very open-minded. You know, like, you know, you, you, you are, you were probably one of the more open-minded people I know. And I knew it would probably be a little bit hard for you because you're just, you're not a pot stirrer. You're not a BSer. You're not someone who's a me guy. And so I think it was good that you've been removed from it now for so long. So it's like, it's just a cool thing for fans. Literally like you're not trying to throw anyone under the bus. We're not, trying to get clicks we're not you know stuff like that like we yeah. just we just hope that it's something that people enjoy so uh, that was a great question and you are such a big teddy bear that like 
you are a guy that it probably would be a little bit more difficult doing because you don't want to talk bad about him. I mean, I remember just a year or so ago, I'd still make comments about Butch and you would like, I could see it on your face. You're like, you know, he was nice to me. Like he was good to me. Like, yeah, we didn't win as many games as I would have liked, but like he was still good to me. So like you wouldn't even throw up on Butch like I used to, you know, which, which is understandable. Like I've, I've had coaches that we weren't as good as we should have, but I, I still love the coaches and, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I definitely did that. I was, uh, like I said in the beginning of that podcast, like on the fence about stuff somewhat because some stuff I disagreed with what he did, but others I was like it was needed at the time. Right. So, right. Um, well, so- okay. I got we got another one here from Josh Hodges. By the way, Josh is another great listener, great, great guy, great supporter, always hitting us with good questions. I always like interacting with him. And I always try to go on here and tell them thank you because yeah. I really appreciate it. But, um, yeah, he said that was great, fellas. Really enjoyed it. I did have a question. My view on Butch from a fan perspective, was he good at recruiting talent but bad at evaluating and develop said talent? Is that accurate? I can't wait to hear your comment on this, and I can't wait to say what I think. Um, if I had to it, – looking – when I was in it, I would have said no. Looking back on it – I almost have to say yes. Yes, because yes, what? Yes, that he was a good recruiter, but then not a good evaluator. Uh, in the sense of kind of what we were talking about, how he trusted the hype of things and the 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 clicks and the views and the who how what star was he and all that kind of stuff. Like there was an offensive lineman, Ray Rollerson, that was from Florida as a four-star tackle. It Ray Rollerson. Ray Rollerson, okay. Exactly. Who? Uh, he was at Tennessee for like three years and transferred to West Virginia. Dude, th- I mean, he just couldn't do it. Like, just couldn't function on the field. It just wasn't happening. He was a Florida guy. He was a white offensive lineman from Florida who was a four-star down there. And it's like you look at his highlight tape, you're like, okay, he can move in open space. Like he's he's not bad with his footwork. Like, uh, okay, yeah, like this looks pretty good. And then, like, we would be at workouts and Buddy couldn't do an A skip. And it's just like, what what happened here? What Why was there this? You know, like why did we let him – Did he was he even at a camp? If he was at a camp, you could have seen that this guy did not belong. Um, I think okay, some okay, other okay. guys. But first off, first off, he might not have been able to do an A skip. But you're saying like pads on football, like he just he wasn't good at that either. Was he not physical? He didn't have the hands. He didn't have the feet. Yeah, he he was he was not physical. Uh, he was space spacey in his head. Um, yeah. like just would not do the correct thing that he was supposed to. Uh, it always felt like he was going to fall over somehow. Um, so like leaning too much and he was really lightweight too. Like it was a struggle for him to be 290. So that, like some of that stuff. Um, and then like some players like in Emmanuel Mosley that, didn't really perform well at Tennessee and really wasn't seen as like a really good player is got a big contract in the NFL. And like, you know, Khalil McKenzie didn't really do anything at Tennessee and is still like rotating through teams as a practice squad guy in the NFL. So there are those instances where it's like, what, like what happened where like, was no one doing anything with them or like, did they just find the right fit in the NFL? Did they just start to care once they got to the NFL? Cause a lot of guys in college think they can just do it without putting an effort. I don't know, but the trend seems to lean that way, but there's other guys on the team that developed very well, that did very well, um, that are still doing very well. And it's like, okay, he did a good job with him. Like an Ethan Wolf, you know, like, okay, he did a good job with him. Um, but I think 
like we said in the last podcast, a lot of his recruiting was, well, has everyone else offered him? And what star is he? Instead of, does this guy fit with the team? Is he the right fit at right guard that we need or at defensive tackle that we need or at wide receiver that we need? Wasn't specific. Um, in almost like a way Bill Belichick will find a wide receiver that played lacrosse before, but he knows that he'll fit in his scheme and he'll be good for his team. That wasn't what Coach Jones was doing. Not, not an ideal Five stars as he could. Not an ideal metaphor to use because Bill Belichick swung and missed on a bunch of receivers lately. But anyways, he did find he did have good with Chris Hogan or he did good, good job with Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. Okay, but anyways. I have a funny – I have some really good insight on this. So when I left Memphis and went back to school at the University of Tennessee, for the longest time I knew I wanted to be in – or thought I wanted to be in football, but not necessarily coaching. I wanted to be in the front office. So when I get back to University of Tennessee, I'm like – and for a while I thought about if I was just going to transfer and play football at UT, like walk on at UT and stuff like that. And I was like, no, I, I think I'm done. And so I was like, I'm going to go work in the recruiting department. It was Butch's first or second year. I can't remember. Actually, I think it was his first. So, Coach Brown, Sam Brown, who was our coach at Catholic, um, had a, a lot of um, contacts up there in the football office. He set it up for me to go meet with uh, J.R. Sandlin, who uh, was the player personnel guy at the time. I think he was at Jackson State for a little bit. I don't know where he is now. But he set it up, so I started working there. And it's so funny that you say that because our job in the recruiting department while I was there for the short time I was there, because I realized very quickly, like this man, like this ain't it, like this, this ain't it for me. And all we would do is sit in a room and your job was to go. And each day we got there, go to rivals, go to the top 100, see who's been added and just keep, keep up with the updated top 100 and then cut up film on the guys that are top 100. And I was like, this is – I was like, in a way, like me thinking about it, I was like, this is kind of sketchy. Like, I guess in a way you have to start somewhere. But I was yeah. like, these coaches are only watching film on guys who are being ranked. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, who the f- runs rivals? Is this just some guy who had a great idea and is a, probably a multimillionaire now? But, like, who runs rivals? Like, are these people who are grading these people? To this day, I don't know who grades and gives stars out. I don't know. Hopefully it's a committee of people that really watches film, that played the game, some that don't play the game. They have other eyes to look. But I'm like, so Butch and this recruiting staff is literally just going to recruit off of what people at Rivals say deserve to be. Yeah. And so it's funny that you say that because I to go back to answer Josh's question – I remember I always say the time that I knew Butch wasn't it, at least game day, two weeks to prepare, Andy coming in, first first season, we got to win to be bowl eligible, it's Vandy. I know James Franklin's a hell of a lot better coach than, than Butch Jones, but it's still in Nayland. Like, they had freaking Pat Robnett, an ex-Marable quarterback who didn't even throw a pass, would just run around, and like Jordan Lame Rogers, and they came in there and beat us, and it should have never happened. And that's when I started arguing with people. Uh, I was like, which ain't it? And they're like, well, what do you want to do, fire him? I was like, honestly, I, I get it. You can't really fire him because we can't keep having this turmoil. I was like, but I'm just here to tell you, like, he ain't it on game day. And everyone's like, well, he's a great recruiter. He's a great recruiter. And I always said, he started getting these recruits, but the guys that he got were in-state guys, and some of them weren't big names. Like, he flipped a three-star Cam Sutton and a three-star Derek Barnett from Nashville because they were going to go to, like, Vandy. Well, congratulations. I can I can flip those guys from Bandy to come to UT. Like, I just offer them a scholarship. Deal's done. Show them a little bit of love. And then everyone was big on Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd, five-star running back. Great. Guess what? He's in our state. Like, so that wasn't impressive to me that he was getting these guys. Like, yes, he got them, but he didn't go to California and get a five-star running back. Yeah. That everyone, so, so I was always like, you know. And, and I mean, and, honestly – probably got pretty lucky because it was like that one year it was Hurd, Mabin, Sutton, Barnett, Malone, uh, Kelly, uh, Josh Smith. Like it was like all in one year. There were so many Tennessee guys. 
and it was Vic Wharton and Todd Kelly, who were both two local kids who were doing a lot of the recruiting at that time after they committed. Um, and so, so yeah, it's like, I just never thought, and then it was so funny to me because then like the Kongbos of the world, the Drew Richmonds of the world, like all this stuff. And it's like, these guys are five stars and it's like, I, I get everyone wants them, but like, did they just come and like, they weren't that good because they weren't that good. You couldn't develop them or you just swung and miss on the talent. So like, I yeah. think it was pretty, I think it was pretty evident that like, you know, he, he did fine. But I don't, I don't, I don't think that he was a. I, I, I've seen one year of Heupel, and I already trust him to be able to coach up people better. Can he bring in the recruiting classes, ratings wise, that Butch did? We'll wait and see. He's doing pretty well right now, but yeah. I have a lot more faith that he's going to be able to, to you know, produce them. Yeah, I don't think Nico is going to be quite the bust that you know Drew Richmond was. You know what I mean? But. Uh, I, Okay, some other questions that I can answer really quick. Um, let's see. There Pat, Johnson, was, Pat Johnson asked if Riley Ferguson was, was the best passer on the team when he was there. Uh, I mean, it, it would be a toss-up between him and Worley. For sure. Like he was a better passer than Dobbs was. And then Nathan. Yes. Uh, and there was like, I, and I said in the last podcast, that, like Worley had the starting job going into the season, but like spring and a little bit of camp, Butch's first year, you know, they were evaluating quarterbacks and trying to figure out who is what, because they didn't know any of these guys. And Riley was like splashing in some instances and was kind of showing out. Um, but I think Dobbs surpassed him with like being a professional, being a team guy, knowing the offense hand over foot, like the back of his hand, like, that's what put him above Riley. And then they were in the same class and Riley saw the writing on the wall and was like, I'm out of here. You know, like if I can't beat the guy in my same class, I'm never going to play. So I think that's what happened with Riley. I wish he could have possibly stayed and, and been there, but um, I would, yeah, I mean, Riley was definitely up there as a, I mean, he was a great passer and a, and a lefty too. I'm pretty sure he was a lefty. No, I don't think I don't think Riley was a lefty. He wasn't. Uh, I don't remember him as a lefty. Um, but yeah, I'm, he I'm definitely, almost, I'm definitely made a splash. Yeah, he, where he, like even some of the older offensive linemen, like Juwan James, was like, "Hey, what about Riley at quarterback? What's going on here?" Because it was definitely their team, Butch's first year, our O line, because they were yeah. all seniors at that point. Right. Um, so, right, yes, Riley was probably one of the better passers. Uh, there was one, another question There was another question about, like, talking about the Evan Berry, uh, you know, why couldn't he get on the field and other stuff, and then talking about AK, you know, he's an all-pro. And everyone says this, like, AK is an all-pro, but yet he wasn't starting. Listen, I, that's a very tough situation. I actually give Butch credit for playing Alvin as much as he did because he saw that Alvin was as good as he did. I mean, Alvin went to the league as a third rounder and ended up basically almost retiring Adrian Peterson. Like yeah. Sean Payton, Sean Payton was like, we signed AP, this kid's better. And so that's why Sean Payton's a really good coach. And Butch, like I'll give Butch credit. Like that's a tough situation when Jalen Hurts an in-state kid and you want them both to play. And, but like, and, you know, but, but you know, and, and I think it, I feel bad, like in a way for Jalen, because like Jalen was still a really good player. Like, he wasn't as good as Alvin. Like, I'm still going to take Alvin. But, like, I if I'm a head coach, I'm still going to try to give both of them split carries, you know? Yeah, and, and Jalen was over a 1,000-yard rusher the year before. So, it's like this guy is working his ass off, doing everything he's supposed to, performing on the field, even when our offensive line was not good. And it's like, oh, so I'm just going to, like, take that away from him because one guy showed some stuff in practice. It's like, no. Uh, and like, I looked at it when it was happening 
um, when people were like, Butch Jones never gave this amount of touches to Alvin. Like he was a second string running back. Like I looked at it and he had probably, I think it was like two touches different through 12 games, his rookie year in New Orleans and his last year at Tennessee. There was like, or his, yeah, his last year at Tennessee. It was like well, his last well, his last year at Tennessee, Jalen was gone, so he was the main bell cow. But but Jalen was gone after Georgia, so it was only half the year. But still, I but yeah, I I mean I, I'm not arguing with you either way. It might have been something. it might have been 2015. I don't know which one I looked up, but it was like 88 touches to like 92 touches or something like that. Like it was very close. And his rookie year, he won offensive. Rookie of the year, he he made a Pro Bowl, and he had the same amount of like he got the ball the exact almost the same amount at Tennessee through twelve games. It's like, guys, I understand that he was technically second string on the roster, but you like you don't understand what the defenses we had to play against, the absolute mind fuck they were in when Jalen Hurd would be in the game, then Alvin Kamara would be in the game. Then Josh Dobbs would run the ball. They are three different runners with three different talents, and defenses couldn't keep up with that. And it's like if you take away one of those, it makes you a worse team. So I need to give touches to every single one. I need to have every single one of them rushing the ball. We had a game where I think either Jalen or Alvin was like two yards away from each of them having 100 rushing yards in one game. And I wish we could have done it, but it was against the worst team and Billy and, and Butch didn't want, you know, them to get hurt. Um, but it's like that was what made us so dangerous is that all three of them could run the ball. Yeah. Well, that was from Ball 92. Good question. Uh, another one, uh, Brian McDermott. Awesome. He's he's a great supporter. We love Brian. He's, he's always interacting with us. And I remember a lot of people talk about this, that he wanted to go – when we went to Oregon and everyone was like, why don't we just slow it down? I had buddies that were saying this the day of the game. I remember where I was was watching this call tonight. We're not going to beat Oregon, but why can't we just go out there and try to slow it down, run the ball, pound it out on like play more with Worley under center. And listen, if they had done that, your boy's fine with it. I'm like, I would have loved to have seen it. If we had slowed it down, pounded it at him, taking the ball out of Marcus's hands, like could we have done better? Maybe might have been a little bit entertaining, but as a coach, Butch is like, I have to implement my system. Like, I can't just not, I can't teach these guys my system all camp, you know, all whatever, and then be like, hey guys, we're gonna go to uh, Oregon and we're just gonna slow it way down for one game. Like, yeah, it's like just, his it's, third it's, game of his career it, there. It's just not real. Yeah, it's just not realistic. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it's not, and. I'm pretty sure that was like right around the rule change of like 40 seconds. Like nobody really huddled as much anymore. Um, and honestly, their three, four front like gave us a hard time in our blocking schemes. Now could have been different if we, you know, put two tight ends down and the fullback, we had extra guys in the box and blocking and all that kind of stuff. Yes. And the spread offense made it very difficult. And Oregon, I mean, Marcus Mariota won Heisman. Like, Oregon was a top five team. We had gone five and seven two years. In, like, like, there's a reason why Oregon was highly ranked. You understand what I'm saying? They thought playing us gave them a good, like, representation of what Alabama was like. But I'm, I'm like, dude. Right now, we are low in the SEC ranking. Like, Alabama was number one. Like, this isn't the same. I remember their fans being like, we want Bama after beating us pretty badly. I'm like, dude, it's, 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 not, it's not the same. I'm just going to yeah. let you know. There's guys on this field that you're playing right now that will tell you how scared they are of Alabama players. And that did, that did happen. Wait, wait, I'm, I'm Tennessee here, players that were scared? I'm tell, I'm, yes, Tennessee players would talk about Alabama players like, dude, that guy's so big. That guy's – he's great. Like, he's so athletic, dude. You should see how ridiculous these guys are. And I remember being a younger guy going, 
okay, like, is he going to take you to school tomorrow? Like, is he your dad? Does he tie your shoes for you? Like, why are you talking about him like this? I didn't say it to him. They were older guys. And I think it was kind of almost ingrained into them from losing so much. But I remember like once I got a chance to play and like when we went to Bama my senior year, I'm like, bro, F these guys. I'm not going to think of them as anything other than dudes in my way. I don't want I don't want anyone on my team that thinks that way. I remember guys at Memphis when I was there my, that my freshman year, they played in Knoxville the year before, and they were all talking about Eric Berry, like how awesome and stuff he was, and, and it was cool for me to hear, you know, and, and listen to them talk about it because I was a fan. But I'm like, yo, I'm a fan. Like even if I was going up next week and, and I'm like on kickoff and Eric Berry's returning to kick, like I'm gonna go down and be like. That's Eric Berry, and I'm going to go and try to knock his head off. As ignorant as that is, like, I wouldn't even, like, probably be able to even clip him or whatever, like, get a, yeah. get a shot on him. But that's still the mentality that I would have, and I would believe that in my heart, running down that field, like, I would believe that. Like, I don't want anyone on my team that's like, oh, my God, they're so much better. But anyways, um, yeah, that's that that was thanks to Dooley, I guess, and Butch that – or Dooley, I guess, that they thought we were going to lose. We needed Kiffin back to get – at least some confidence. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up with the last question. There's some other questions that we might miss. We'll get to those next week because there's still some from a couple weeks ago, Pod. Yeah, but, and there's, uh, <laughs> there's one on there that's compared Dooley, Jones, yes. Pruitt, and Heupel. That can be three podcasts, man. <laughs> I'm going to say – but that was the one I was going to answer. Good question. For me, I'll answer it really, really quickly. So, um, Heupel to Dooley, like – Dooley's a clown. Like he he shouldn't have even been a head coach. No, I mean so so like he was a losing coach good. at Louisiana Tech. Right. So Heupel, good football coach, deserves the job that he got. Dooley, he's just a clown. So like he shouldn't have even been a head coach. Um, Jones, I get it. I get where Butch why Butch got the job. And I think the biggest difference that I've seen so far is one is fake. One's fake hype. One doesn't really know what his real principles are, and he's just not real. And I think Heupel is. I also think Heupel is a better game day coach. Butch would freaking dream to be what Heupel is on game day. I mean, it's just – Butch is just not even a comparison. It's like me playing you and Matt. Like, you're a freaking Butch, and I'm I'm, I'm Heupel. So then second off – Catch me on NCAA 14, bitch. (laughs) <laughs> and then and then like and then like Pruitt I mean he didn't deserve to be a head coach like I get it sometimes you got to give these guys an opportunity but he didn't know what the hell he was doing being a CEO he didn't know what the hell he was doing on game day he 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 just he he couldn't compare to 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 Hypel either with game day stuff I mean I guess recruiting he was pretty good but it was because he was cheating so kudos to him Evaluation of a quarterback. Yeah, that one was tough. That's really <laughs> tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very tough. But I just think comparison to to all of them, like I just think Heupel's like, do I think Heupel's going to win us a national championship? I mean, if I had to sit here now and bet it, like probably not, just because the competition's really, really tough. But I think he's going to have us winning nine, ten games every year. I think we're going to have chances to get to SEC championships, maybe playing one every five to six years. None of those guys were ever going to be able to really, really do that sustainably for like a long time. Yeah, like you feel better after Heupel's first year than you did all three of those guys' first years. You know, so it it kind of leans that way. Um, but, yeah, like I said, you you could break down every single one of those – and make a huge podcast about that. Uh, I, yeah, I think that was most of the ones I saw. I saw some well, funny ones think? on there. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think about the three of them or the different ones? Just maybe. I would. I, I mean, I would say Dooley and Pruitt are fighting for last place there. Uh, Dooley might be at the bottom just based off of coaching. Um, control of the team, uh, being welcoming to VFLs. Like, he just fell short every single one of those categories. 
Who Pruitt? Dooley. Oh, Dooley. Um, Pruitt, it just seemed he was way in over his head. He knew how to coach X's and O's of defense, and that was it. He did not know how to motivate. He did not know how to recruit. He did not know how to evaluate offense. It was just how I can coach X's and O's of defense. Um, and you need everything else. You don't need to be a gr- amazing X's and O's guy. Uh, and then, you know, Jones and, and Heupel, it's like with Heupel, it's still up in the air. So it could change. You know, our viewpoint of him could change drastically. It could go up. It could go down. So it's hard, a, hard to know. That's a great That's a great point because I should have prefaced this by saying I'm just going off of what I've seen so far. And yeah. when, I was, when I was around Butch, um, you know, in person, and then the couple times I've been around Heupel, it's just night and day. Like, I just feel like one's fake, one's real. One, one is one – That is I cannot on. argue with at all. Yeah. Heupel is more of a real person, real human being than Butch ever was. Yeah, and like I said, game day-wise, offense-wise, it's what Butch wishes he was. Heupel's very, very good at it. So, will he be able – you know, I, I, I firmly think sitting here that, like – I said, Hypo will have us winning nine, ten, you know, eight, nine, ten wins every couple years or like every year. Like we're going to be at that good point. You know, will Tennessee fans get mad in a few years because we haven't won at the highest level? Well, that's really difficult to do in the SEC. That's really difficult to do in in general, but the SEC. But I just think he's a. I think he's a good. I just think he's a a a very good football coach. And I yeah. don't think I could say that about any of those guys. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Uh, All right. Beautiful podcast. Uh, Appreciate all of you guys watching and listening. If you are watching, please hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Hit that notification bell. It helps us. Comment. Please leave questions. We always love to answer them on this podcast. We always love to interact with you guys and love the support. Um, Also helps with the algorithm. So that ain't bad either. If you're listening... Download, re-download, like, follow, rate, and review always helps. Uh, our social medias at Believe in Tennessee on Twitter for our main account, uh, at rbacon26 for read, at Kyler Kerbison on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for me. And if you want to reach out to us, we have an email, Believe in Tennessee football at gmail.com. We also have a phone number, 865-322-9232. So you can reach out there also um, and just really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for watching. And as always, go Hawks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.